Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, had a slight weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? We're sending a squad up. Uh, uh, negative, negative. We have a, a reactor leak here uh, now. Give us a few minutes to lock it down. Uh, large leak, very dangerous. Who is this? What's your operating number? Uh, boring conversation anyway. Whoa, we're gonna have company! Episode 47. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes. Every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in 10. I'll be there in 10. Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have 30 minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. We're tall enough to be stormtroopers. And now, here are your hosts, Brad Milo and Frank A. Rincon. And that's why, that's why Point Break is the second best movie ever made in the history of movies. But mm. the first, the first <laughs> movie, the greatest movie of all time is what we're going to talk about today, Star Wars, A New Hope. Awesome. In the studio, we have Brad. Brad, say hi. Hi. And we have special guests, as we do for all these shows, Todd Hartzell. Who is a friend of Brad's. You guys have known each other for years, and Brad contends that you are the greatest Star Wars fan of all time. Greeny. He flatters me a bit. But <laughs> Todd has the Star Wars room at his house. Uh-huh. I do. And when I go to his house, I just sit on the floor, and I just look up at the bookshelves like this, <laughs> and I'm just like, We, we basically wow. built that house, and my wife was like, you know what? I'm going to give you room just to put all that crap in. Nice. So, it's I got had- like, how many... Percentage-wise, how many of the action figures would you say that you have on your shelves? Of uh, the original collection, uh, you know, that I got when I was a kid, Yeah, I, I think I'm only missing about 10, and that's because my wife's helped out buying some of those of the new ones. I, for a while, I was buying every one of them, but, you know, George Lucas likes my money too much, so they now I just buy the ri- ones that I like. They kind of got ridiculous with yeah. the last couple of years. And so I'm, now I kind of, you know, temper my excitement that, you know, there are a lot of cool ones that have come out, but... Aunt Beru. Yeah, I, I'm going to buy Amber because I want a collection of all of them. But mm-hmm. you know, when they start releasing the 500th version of of Luke with, uh, Jedi with a little burn on his hand, yeah. well, yeah, sure, you've made better joining and all that. But I'm not going to give you another five bucks for that. Gotcha. Now you're also a musician. You're in mm-hmm. a band that uh, Brad talks about all the time, Sundogs. That yes, that's correct. And you have a wonderful website, MySpace.com/slash/SundogsTX.com. Yes. We'll put that link on our website, but uh, check them out. Brad, Brad loves the band. I've seen him a couple times. Always a lot of fun. We try to be fun. You seem to have a pretty good following every time I go there. You know what? It's getting bigger and bigger. The other night we played a club down in Dallas and had a stinking huge crowd. Really? Yeah, it was a, a great wow. show. And that, I, that was partially the band we were opening for. We kind of fit in well with that. Uh, we just got the news that we we got invited to go along with that band to Kansas this week. And we all had to say, uh, we all have careers. We can't <laughs> oh, just wow. quit and go. But that's cool, dude. Well, yeah. But now we got, because of that, we got some gigs in Austin. Uh, we're going to go do probably in March and April, so that'll be huge for us. And and describe your describe the band for us. Um, rock and roll. <laughs> it's straight rock and roll. I mean, you, the 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 three guys, myself, the the guitarist and the bassist, been playing together for years and years. The guitarist is a jazz guy. I kind of grew up jazz rock. The the bassist is just everything. He's probably 
he's just phenomenal. However, we try to be fun rock and roll. It's we we're not we don't want to be pretentious. We don't want to bore you. If we don't make you laugh and, and want to drink a beer, then we all feel like we failed. You know what? You achieved that. Oh, thank the you. Two times. I've thank seen you. Him. Well, okay. Before Butt we kisser. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I don't have that word. Um. So before we go into yeah. the meat of this show, we I want, do I have w- a contest w- winner. Well, don't we? before that, I want to. I got a new cell phone ringer. Okay. You want to hear it? Yeah. Leave us by Nico. Now I feel like I'm 10 years old again. It doesn't start. I actually cut this beginning part off. Yeah, I'm bouncing. Do you guys play this in your show? Yeah, the, anything that's based on four on the floor like that. Uh-huh. I'm all over that. Okay, this <laughs> It's coming up is when it starts. Your ringer? Right now. <laughs> Nothing but Star Wars. You can just see Bill Murray, can't you? Yeah. For the longest awesome. time, every time I heard Star Wars, I would have to say that. I love that. You mm-hmm. know what? Now that you said that, I'm going to go find it. <laughs> well, okay, wait. Let's get to the costumes. Uh, right, let's okay. get, let's costumes. get to the, um, the costumes. Yes. We're all going to dress up. No, the contest winners. These are always long shows, so we got to do, do all this stuff first. Now, what we were looking for was a good Star Wars joke. When did timing and all that good stuff. Um, and we do have a winner. We do. And, and we had, like, was it thousands of entries? I can't remember, Brad. Or um, was it three? Three. Okay. So we're going to play the first well, two. Well, I, I take it back. We had four entries from three people. Oh. Okay. okay. Um, so we'll save, we'll save the winner for last. But the winner for last? Yeah. Okay. The, the first two entries we got are from somebody named Ashley. Okay. I think she listens to the show pretty regularly. Yeah, she Wait does. Wait a second. Yeah, that's who you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know is. she you know there's no way she could Hi, it's Ashley. Um I am going to enter joke for the contest. Okay. Brad's goes. daughter, by the way. What do you call a singing Darth Vader dressed up in a cow dressed up in cowboy boots in a hat? I paused it. Can anybody um, figure this out? Darth Isn't Vader, it? a singing Darth Vader in cowboy hats. Dressed up in a cowboy boots and a hat? I don't know, here it goes. Darth Brooks. Mm. Okay. I think. I Love think you, Daddy. Goodbye, Frank. <laughs> I think that gave me a little bit of heartburn. Hey? Yeah, it hurt a little bit. Okay, let's hear the second one. <laughs> yeah. What have you done Love to this child? Mm-hmm. I was looking for that uh, one particular sound effect that I was going to play after that, but apparently it's not queued up. Oh, I, I quit. That's quality. <laughs> quality. Uh, quality producing. Yes. Here. Okay. Here's a. Uh, Another entry from from Ashley. Hey, it's Ashley again, and I have another joke. Ready? Okay. What event caused Ben to sense a disturbance in the force? I, I what event know. caused Ben to sense a disturbance in the force? Well, we know what the reason is, but... Why didn't I, you guys I, tell me I would have brought a snare drum and a cymbal? I could be <laughs> rimshotting these things. <laughs> and let's, let's find out what, what the answer is. Jabba's indigestion. Okay. Mm. Laugh it up. Bye. Jabba's indigestion. Frank. <laughs> 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 Just go. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let's find the... Uh, <laughs> okay. Here's another one. Here's another one. Okay. This is from uh, Brooke in Dallas. Okay. 
Hey guys, this is Brooke from Dallas with your Star Wars joke of the day. What's the difference between Yoda and Mace Windu? Their color. What did Anakin say when he saw Yoda coming over the hill? Here comes Yoda. What did Padme say when she saw Yoda coming over the hill? Here comes Mace Windu. She was colorblind. Thank you. Good night. <laughs> and finally, the winner. And this should tell you a lot, people. You should have entered because you're you're going to get a handful of traits through Johnny M. I, I thought about it, but I'm just not a good joke teller. If this if this joke here won, then somebody else had a really really good shot. Yes, to win. Here it goes. Who is this, by the way? We know a little that. half hour wasted. This is Carl. <laughs> well, I've got a joke for you. Mm. <laughs> All right, then. There are two old boys going to the bathroom off a bridge. One of them said the water's deep, and the other said the water's cold. Mm. I believe one of them old boys is from Alderaan. Sorry, that wins hands down. Oh, period. I, I Just to hear that guy. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know who that writers. was. Uh, I have I, no I, I know, idea who that I'm is. So sorry, I don't have your name in front of me. Um, but do you know who it is? Yes, I do. I just, how do you I, know? Um, a little half hour wasted. They sent me a PM, a private Carl. message. Okay. Well, I've got a joke for you. Let's listen to. It. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Mm. All right, Dan. There are two old boys going to the bath. Uh, I, I love that the punchline is one of them from all around. <laughs> I like one of them old boys, and it takes forever to get to the punchline. <laughs> listen, listen. And we've been taking forever to listen, get to listen, the show. Listen, mm. to I believe one of them old boys is from Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> Next show, I'll mention I'll mention your name, but congratulations. You know who you are. Get it. He says, get, get it. All right, Dan. This is Carl. I'll talk to you later. Mm. Bye. So you'll get some trades, uh, courtesy of Johnny M, and uh, we'll have another contest coming up soon. But, can, I, uh, can I do the rest of the show in that voice? <laughs> you know, and I'm hurt that uh, you promised me you'd mention an email I wrote to you destructing your idea about the Clone Wars cartoon. I don't think you ever mentioned it. Oh, well, we, we did. did. Oh, did you? And I did. One of those episodes here. that you don't listen to. Oh, yeah. well. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Pardon me. Move on. <laughs> Todd does listen to the show, but only the Star Wars or movie related. Yeah. Ones, which is fine. You know, I can't listen I'm to them. just not my as much of a comic book guy. My mom doesn't even listen to them. So. What? Yeah. Man, my mom can't wait to hear this. <laughs> She's inviting all her circle group over, and they're going to wow. listen. Well, that's my son. See, I told you all that Star Wars geekdom would pay off. <laughs> so we were talking, basically that's about whether that little boy in the Clone Wars cartoon could have been. Uh, hold on. Yeah, here's a. <clears throat> I didn't mean to make you read it for a second time. No. Here's a. Uh, Here's the um, the soundbite that Bob Heine quoted. Mm-hmm. He actually quoted this. He was more of a nerd than you are. Uh-oh. Oh, he's just another one of our listeners. Okay. Ow. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side. You don't believe in the Force, do you? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. 
It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. And Jabba's indigestion. Okay, let's um, well, let's talk about this. New Hope, Star Wars Chapter Four, came out in 1977, budgeted at 13 million, and as of 1995, grossed worldwide 775 million. Man, I'm telling you, you know, a little while ago, Brad was saying to Frank that Frank was going to get the total of how much it grossed, and he's like, Todd, no, I was about to say, I think it was about 720, 750 oh million. Gosh, that was only till 95, though. So yeah. it's made a ton more. No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, 97, that's when the re-release came out. So, so with so. DVD releases, who knows how yeah, much Yeah, that doesn't made. count. Re- that's theater. That doesn't, <coughs> that doesn't count. count the special edition. No. Well, no, that no, does, does count special edition, but doesn't count DVDs, DVDs or, VHSs oh, okay. or VHS like sales or anything. I wonder if that's, that's only domestic, too. That's not yeah. foreign distribution as yeah. well. Do you prefer the original theatrical or the special edition? Or a mix? A mix. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think there, you know, and that's one of the things I wrote down here that I was going to get to. I think there's some nice enhancements that go mm-hmm. in the special editions. I mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, a good example to me is the, the moment when Han runs around the corner into the stormtroopers. That joke works a ton better yeah. now because it's like, oh, before he ran into what, six? It was a dead uh-huh. end. Yeah, and, and it just, like it wasn't a joke. Now right. it's a wah, wah, wah kind of yeah. joke. You know what? That is my favorite part of the new edition, easily. One of the enhancements. Because the explosions, you know, they yeah. fine. But that joke, even you a, hit it, Todd. You hit even, it. A, it was, even as a kid, the mat lines, the traveling mat lines on the spaceships, as a kid, my little mind, I was sitting there going, oh, that's the force field. Me around too. The ship. So it, it didn't harm me. You know, there were mm. things I didn't, I wouldn't bother about. When you get into it, though, you know, I'm going to complain as anybody else is. Hans. Nerd. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I'm out of the closet as Brad wants me to be out of my nerddom. But, you know, Han shoots first. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And here's the thing with that. And it's not simply, you know, he has super, superhuman reflexes in the special editions to dodge that laser. It's the fact that you ruin his character. The clip Brad just played about Han, all the characters in this movie are so beautifully defined. Mm-hmm. From the point that you know within moments. Jawas don't speak, but you know what they are. Sand people, you know what they are. Han, you get it because he kills somebody and then he says this. There you go. You know, and... and you know what? It, it's, I, I like how you started that. Well, how you said about all the characters defining because when this movie opens, when this movie starts, there are a lot of things that you don't know, but but you right. when you see them, you know what that character is about. When you see, um, it, it's funny because I have the exact same thing in my notes. It's like when Darth Vader first comes up, you don't know about his past, you don't know who he is, right. but you know that he's the bad guy in it, mostly because he's draped in black, he's machine. And what's beautiful about it, you know, my sister who's uh, and I'll toot my sister's horn if she listens. She's a doctorate of English literature professor uh-huh. over at UNT, and she explained to me what this is, and you guys may know it. The story, the story starts in the middle, and she told me that's an old Latin term in medias rei. You actually start in the middle of something. I'm not going to tell you the backstory. You're in the story. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you have to have there but beautifully defined characters? And it's something I've written to you guys before about some of the characters in the prequels. Darth Maul is scary looking. He never does anything scary. To me, it's just he's sort of a... F- yeah, here he is, scary. Darth, he walks in, those stormtroopers are killing people, he's breaking necks, he's doing things, he doesn't care. He's scary. It's the reason my little five-year-old daughter is terrified of him, but looks at Darth Maul and goes, he's funny looking. Really? I swear. As she watched the first one with me and just was not affected by him. I was afraid she's going to be terrified. But all the characters in this movie, to me, are like that. You know, within just like you're saying, within moments of what they are. There's mm-hmm. no guessing. They are who they are. Luke is what he is. I even kind of came with an observation about him that, you know, this movie comes out in 77. There are no space operas at that time. Right. Well, what's one of the first things we hear Luke? He's talking to the droids about his longing for space, his longing for that. Mm-hmm. 
oh my god well he's every kid in the in the audience who's been longing for this themselves so we automatically identify then he's also a kid whose uncle says you can't be what you want to be right. well now we're hooked yeah. and those cute the characters are beautifully defined you don't the prequels you don't get that and i swear this will be the last thing i say about character but mm-hmm. i think of the reference of i know you loved attack of the clones right yes which i don't mind it but there are things to me that bug me mm-hmm. uh padme gets almost assassinated we have a mentor who's trying to get his little Padawan under control and turn, teach him to be patient, but he goes and jumps out a window. Well, that's kind of impulsive. Ooh. Shouldn't, it, shouldn't it be Anakin that jumps out that window that's the impulsive, and, and then Obi-Wan has a moment to say, don't do that. Because then at the end when they get to the canteen, he's like, patience. I'm like, well, you were just jumping out the window, dude. <laughs> it, those little nice. things, those, those don't nice. make me, And that's to me, that's where the prequels kind of fall flat compared to these. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've gone on a character. No, no, no it's, a, it's just okay. That's what this is about. Like, because, um, I mean, this whole movie starts off with, is about characters. <laughs> oh, we don't have the music. Oh, We don't yeah. have the Star Wars music, Brad. Oh, yeah. Well, well let's, start it, let's start it with this music. Yeah, I always play the Star Wars music, and, mm-hmm. but I forgot. Well, well, we can talk how we all first saw it, and that's when you can kick it on. Okay, okay. we'll start it with this. Let's hear it. Ah, Star Wars. God, I love him. funny about watching this now is that uh, Paul Schaefer's playing the piano. Mm-hmm. Star Wars, <laughs> and this is Bill Murray on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. And hey, how about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Like ah! Star Wars! Star Wars! My seventh winner up here! Star Wars! You know, that's why he's still like the greatest guest when he appears on Letterman. Mm-hmm. He always does stuff like that. That guy's just genius. Mm, he's fun. He's God. awesome. Okay. All right. So, um, well, I'll start. Uh, didn't know anything about the movie when I went to it. Um, walked in, you know, my parents were just what? trying to... I'm serious. My parents were just kind of dumping never seen the any trailer, commercials or anything? No. I mean, if I did, I, I wasn't paying attention to them. Uh, How's parents, that different than today, though? Um, huh? How's that different? Th- any different than today? Um, I, paying I attention. <laughs> you made may, me lose my track. Where am I? Uh, oh, here I am. You didn't uh, know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, just just ignore know. Brad. Oh, uh, My parents dropped me off at the movie theater. You went in with a friend. Wow. You know, it was one of those things where they were going to, you know, we we're going to see the movie three times anyway because we're kids. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember watching it going, what? The lights I go have, down. I have never seen anything like this and in my life. This. I'm probably with my friend going, hey, yeah, give me some okay. so that, that, that roll off at the first of that, every part of this fanfare for it just gets me deep. Oh, oh, yeah. I can't help yeah, myself. You know, I, there's a part in this movie that I always get really excited about. We'll talk about it later, but it's like every time I hear this one part of the movie, I just get so excited. Oh, that okay, let's start with, let's go Todd. Todd, how did you... Um, I, I kind of had the same experience you did. <laughs> My family are a bunch of huge movie nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, we'd go every weekend to the okay. movies. My mom, who is a uh, self-taught seamstress and very good at it, was taking a class on it. My dad came to my sister and I and said, hey, there's this new movie. It's getting great reviews. And in my family, great reviews are a huge thing. And it's called Star Wars. 
Well, I heard it. I was like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see something about astronauts. So my sister and I went, and we were protesting the whole way. Funny. Isn't that funny? And so we sit down, and I mean, it... it, it it's one of those iconic moments in my life and my my dad and my sister. We we remember the details of the people sitting around us. Mm-hmm. Astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and by the way, I apologize if my my laugh there sounds like I've been smoking. I don't smoke. I'm just having a gig the other night. I'm like kind of blown out here. Um, but man, when that the fanfare happened, I was just like, wow, what is this? And I think like everybody else that saw this. That first moment that the Star Destroyer, well, you know, the first ship goes over, and you're like, "Wow!" But when that Star Destroyer comes, I, I don't know that my imagination's ever been so fully engaged as that moment in my life. Wow, you uh, that that is, because yeah, it's that moment. Scoundrel! It is that moment when that when that cruiser goes when that battleship goes mm-hmm. over. Scoundrel! We have never seen anything right that big or anything like that. Ever. And how many times has that shot been in? Uh, imitated, imitated right. since then. Yes, I, it, you know, and I think there was—it's it's even a purposeful way that they do it. You know, if you look at the design of the ship, it feels like it should end, and it kind of flares, yes. and then it starts again. Yes, and I think they kind of did that to toy with people. Oh no, it's going to get bigger and bigger, and it—it it was just so audacious that you know, it's a, it's a huge statement, and he made a statement: "I'm taking you, and you're going to go with me," and you do. You have no yeah. choice from that point on. Brad, how did you <clears> see it? I remember going. Let's see, I was born in 69, so I was, came out in 77, right? I was eight years old. Okay. Uh, I was nine. How old were you? I would have been 10. ten okay. I, um, we went with another family and that had kids, um, they had two girls. One was about my age, one was a year older. Well, I kind of was interested in the one that was my age. So Scoundrel. <laughs> scoundrel. So I was sitting by her during this movie and... I remember just loving the movie, but I remember the asteroids machine that I saw on the way in and trying to get this girl to uh, go play asteroids with me <laughs> out in the lobby. And she's like, the movie's almost over. And I looked up at the screen and they're flying down the trench. Mm-hmm. I said, they're just flying. Let's go play a game. She's like, no, I'm going to watch this. So I just sat there and watched the rest of the movie. Now, I loved it, and still, but that's that's like my most vivid memory of that movie was that I was a little more interested in the girl I was sitting next to <laughs> than, wow, than the movie <clears throat> while I was watching it. Now, though, you know, like most of us, I can recite the whole thing while it's yeah. that's kind of funny. Playing, so it didn't even engage you that first time, not the first time. Wow, because I was really distracted by the girl. Here, here's the crazy thing. Her name was Kim. Well, hi Kim, if you're listening. <laughs> um, I mean, here I am. I would be older than you, and I wouldn't even. I was so geeked out by it. Uh, you know, beautiful girl could have sat next to me, and I never paid attention. Yeah, Brad's mind's always on the women. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's talk about when we first saw it, and that first text screen comes up that says a long. Was a long, long time ago. Galaxy long time ago, in a galaxy far, far, far away. away. Okay, how can as a kid did that confuse you? Because up to that point, sci-fi movies always took place in the future. Logan's Run that had come out just yeah. a year before. Mm-hmm. You know that was in the future. So how can spaceships Scroll. and stuff? <laughs> how can how can spaceships be in the past? Did well, that confuse you? Yeah, at you all? know that's a great point because I think it does confuse you a bit, but I think it also lends to putting you in the galaxy for a moment. You're like, mm-hmm. what? You know, and especially when you see these spaceships and and robots, and you're kind of thinking Future. this is a long time ago. 
Well, it it just sort of engages your mind. It's, you're automatically trying to figure out what this is. So I was very confused. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if this happened a long time ago, how come there's spaceships? And how come we don't have spaceships if these people had spaceships? Far away. Yeah. And that was the part that, that I glossed over. Oh, really? Was that it wasn't my galaxy. Mm. Yeah, I struggled with that, too. I was really? just kind of like, how does that relate? to earth how does that relate to me well being a man of the of 10 years upon this earth i think i had a bit of a perception you guys apparently yeah i i I was i can remember being a little confused by that but aren't you hitting the big 4-0 soon (laughs) you did recently (laughs) i hit the the 4-1 that's right Um, old fart but moving on through through the storyline in the movie you know talking about the design a little bit because when that movie first opens you're in this nice clean Mm -hmm. white a spaceship that we were all familiar with when it comes to sci-fi. Mm-hmm. That's how the future is. The Very clean, clean, soft, rounded white. designs. Yeah. yeah. And robots and everything's clean and white, and that makes sense. But then later on in the movie, we start when we're on um, uh, Tatooine, and we see these old broken ships, it's a these used old universe, robots. Yeah. yeah. How did you How did you guys react to that? Because that that was so different. Spaceship. <laughs> I don't think, I don't remember having a... A reaction to that until a long time afterwards, watching mm-hmm. it on tape. Yeah, that it, you know that I was able to put it aside and kind of go, "Wow, you know, ships don't work here." As a kid, I was just it was a fantastic story, and I don't I think, don't I, think I really paid that much attention to it. Yeah, either. yeah. I, now I it's such an essential element to it that mm-hmm. it lends credence to it throughout. Well, what about the uses of of like comedy? Because early in the movie. You know, you know. There's a lot of tension in the movie up until R two and C three PO cross that hallway with the gunfire going. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty funny. I think everyone kind of that was kind of a tension breaker well, for yeah. me. But uh, this movie uses comedy in such a nice way that, unlike the other movies, it doesn't play such a such a role. Like with Episode one mm-hmm. and and um, I would say Episodes four, five, and six as a whole use it differently than Episodes one, two. I agree with that. Yes. What happened? I just, it makes me, thinking about that, because I was thinking about that this morning. The dialogue, I was watching it this morning, the dialogue is so natural. Mm-hmm. Most of it. There are a couple most that I think is, that are Most of it is natural, but but uh, comparing that to the first three episodes, which the dialogue is very forced, it, it just makes me wonder what happened. What, what happened well, with George I, Lucas? I, I don't think there's anything that happened to George Lucas. I think in this one, you know, he he's writing something at that time. Especially in that era of cinema, you know, the seventies were very realistic. Things were not like this, and he's bringing it to his friends, who all said we hate it. And he went and had is script- that what happened? Oh yeah, they just tore it apart. In fact, uh, John Milius, who I think that's who it was, who had directed and written some things, who was really into that seventies revolution, tore it apart. Brian De Palma said, "I don't get it." In fact, Brian De Palma ended up helping him write the introductory scroll because he thought it needed some explanation. Really? Yeah. God, I'm such a nerd. If my <laughs> wife listens to this, she's going to be so proud. Um, but I think, you know, he turned over the script once it was done for a dialogue polish. And then the next two, he didn't write. He wrote stories, but he didn't write any of the script. Mm-hmm. And that's Lawrence Kasdan, who, to this day, I believe is one of the finest Did dialogue. Did he write the, the third one also? Yeah. Jedi? Uh, yes. He, he wrote the second in collaboration with a woman, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, that she died shortly before actually putting it to paper. Hmm. And then he did the third. Um, 
but you know, I think that was the thing is that he's not a great dialogue writer. He understands classic story forms, which these are nothing more than the old hero's journey. You know, my wife and I are watching it the other day, and I, I said, you can watch this, and I can stop at any point, and I can show you this is the same thing as Lord of the Rings. Anybody that wants to fight with me over that, let's go toe-to-toe. Ooh, that woman's name is Lee Brackett. Thank you. That's right. Um, but she Did she do episode six also? No, I think she died before episode five. She helped with the first draft of the script, or some second, but then Lawrence Kasdan did the finals. Um, but, you know, uh, now I kind of lost that train. But, you know, these are the classic. Sorry. It's okay. They're the classic hero's journeys. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, to the point of uh, watch what happens with Obi-Wan and Gandalf. You know, it's the same thing. They both must die so that the hero must emerge, even though they still come back. Mm-hmm. They both come back in their own way. Uh, the trash compactor is nothing more than the hero's going to hell. Yeah, I want to talk to you about that, but well, I guess we'll get to that point in, in a bit. Right. The trash compactor. Yeah. Don't I'll, you think that's... <laughs> Kind of silly. No, because if you go watch Lord of the Rings, they go to hell, and when you go to the trash compactor, they've gone down, and there are red lights. They must fi- face a monster, which I have points about I the Dianoga monster. Kind of see that. It, I'm not literal. It's, I'm just yeah. saying it's the same point right, in the right, journey. Right. Well, we, we've got to talk about the Dianoga at some point. That that monster in the trash compactor has always bugged the crud out of me. <laughs> okay, good, because it bugs me, too, but we'll, we'll kind okay. of get to that. Yeah. Um, you know how many uh, oh, Oscars I, Star Wars won? Ten? Six. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, one thing I was going to say, back to your thing about comedy, uh-huh. the use of it, you know, I, I, th- I think it is essential to this film because it's hearkening back to the old Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon mm-hmm. type things that were really silly, but he's also using, uh, and I'm sure you probably heard this, the droids are nothing more than his homage to, God, I can't remember if it was a Kurosawa film or not, but the Hidden it is Fortress. A film. Yeah, okay, yeah. Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. That there are two bumbling idiots that carry the story. And that's mm-hmm. what's beautiful about this story is you don't meet the hero until I think it's 18 minutes into the film. Mm-hmm. But the droids serve as a vessel that carries all the way through it. And anytime it gets a little too tense, they pull us out and make something funny happen. And then they go back. So right. I, think the, I think the comedy is essential to this movie. Have you ever seen Hidden Fortress? I have never seen it. Uh, I, I, have you ever seen it, Brad? No. Um,. <laughs> It, it's it's so funny because there is a Han character in it, there's mm-hmm. a Leia character in it, mm-hmm. and then there is the... Uh, Obi-Wan in and, there. And then if there is an Obi-Wan, I don't oh, remember that. That's a name that. I've not yeah. heard in a long time. Long time. Yay. Definitely supersized. I've, I've, I've helped you guys go supersized. I love it. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's a... You know... Uh, Anyone out there should rent it, watch it at least once, because the story elements just, or the characters are so similar. Really? You just see it and you go, oh my gosh, there's Leia. Right. And, yeah, if there is a Ben, I just don't remember him. Well, you know, these in these characters, even for a chorus I was filmed, having not seen it, they're just classic story uh, character types that mm-hmm. Han, you've seen a thousand times. In fact, you see a bit of him in Indiana Jones. Sure, it's mm-hmm. the same actor, but same that same kind of whimsical... I'm going to talk a big thing and then just blow a guy away with a gun. It's, yeah. it's they're just classic characters. Um, g- going back to to the way this movie um, brings you into it without you not knowing anything. I mean, they talk about there's that there's that scene on the Death Star where all the guys are sitting at the round table, all the uh, Im- Imperial generals or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call them, and they're talking about things like the Emperor. And the general, and these are characters we do not see in this movie. We will not see for another three years, and we don't even get their backstory until years later. Right. But they, the dialogue in it is so good that you know exactly what they're talking. And they about create a mystique that this is bigger than we are. Yes, know? and especially you know, that brings up a good point. One of one of the things that I think is so fascinating about the movie is it's made in '77 at a time when when the nation 
you know, this is a well-discussed point, but when the nation was just beaten down by Watergate and Nixon and the oppression that they thought existed, the government, and here it comes along with an evil emperor, an evil, you know, empire oppressing the people. You were talking in terms that people could quickly grasp onto. Yeah. They had felt some people. I'm not saying everybody, and I don't want no, to get into I, politics I, I, discussion. but No, I, I think the, the attitude of the nation at that time, I totally agree with you. You're right. And I think any time you get a cultural phenomenon, I think it is reflective of what's going on in the times. Do they somehow feel a need? And here everybody needed to believe that there was hope. And boy, you come along with this movie that's nothing more than saying trust in yourself and your spiritual attitude whether you want to believe it that's to me that's what the movie says at the end is push those machines away and trust in yourself and mm. everything will be okay and you can beat anything yeah. so i think that's why those characters they're beautifully i agree they're beautifully thrown in there the yeah. emperor i was terrified of the emperor and i didn't know what, who he was or what <laughs> i was like oh this guy's got to be bad we still don't know palpatine's first name do we uh, For, I, th- I think it's harold fred fred or harold harold fred <laughs> palpatine harold yeah. frederick palpatine <laughs> yeah. i can understand why he just goes palpatine <laughs> Palpy to his friends. Um, you know, I want I want to touch on a scene. You know that we all have scenes in, in this movie that we love, but a scene that's kind of bugged me. We talked a little bit about the. the We're going to talk about our favorite trailer. scenes. Let's talk about favorite okay. scenes. But I mean, not are we? Period. Yeah, let's talk about favorite scenes right here. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the one you wanted to that bugged you? Go ahead and do bug. Okay, we'll do bug. Um, yeah, I got a bug. Was um, when C three PO shuts himself off. When when Ben mm-hmm. is talking to Luke at Ben's house, I always felt that that was a clue to something, and it, it doesn't really it doesn't really lend itself to anything anymore. But for years, it, that's all I've always felt that there is there's something to that scene. But in in retro or now that we know that there isn't, but did anyone get that feeling? Do you know what the scene I'm talking about? No, I, yeah, I know what scene you're talking about. I didn't ever get that feeling, and it was simply because I was always kind of looking for a shot that would allow me to see something that I had in my Star Wars storybook, mm-hmm. which was a, a production still, and it was Anthony Daniels did not have one of his gloves on. And he's sitting there, and there's a fleshy hand. And I kept thinking, boy, that's going to happen in here. So, no, that never <laughs> did anything for me. I'm sorry. Okay. That's, that scene, because I always felt like, why did he turn off there? Why? Hmm. Oh, because they're talking, right there, they're talking about Anakin. Did, did you feel like C-3PO maybe knew more, or was yes. it supposed to hear something? Or? Yes. Both of those things. I, if if Obi Wan had reached over and flicked him off, mm-hmm. then I would I, I'd see that. But I, mm-hmm. I is this? I mean, was it as a kid that you thought that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay, yeah. It I was just kind of like because you know th- things in the story you you would imagine happen for a reason. Yeah, and and so why would he choose to turn off right there? You know, maybe he wasn't using Energizer batteries. You just yeah, maybe. Sir, uh, if you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Sure, you go. Go you're good, Brad. That is good. Um, that, that never bothered me. Okay, scenes that bother it you. It, it, why close down? You know, mm-hmm. maybe you said that when I, I was hunting for that sound. But the scene that bothers me is the. Oh, that's a great theme right there. Sorry. Just is that says, the binary sun theme? No, Not that but that is Luke's theme, and it's his introduction. Just says innocence, and you know, you want to get into the musicians' part. It's the major fifth. Da dee da dee dee da. It just says innocence and hope and heroic. God, yeah. Love it. We got to talk John Williams later, but go ahead, Brad. The thing that bothers me is what they did with Han Solo and Greedo. That's that's pretty much the only thing really? that bothers me. So, other than a special edition, you don't have anything that bothers you. You mean other than that 
part of the special edition I, I, thing? I'm saying let's, let's exclude special edition. Is, okay. If you're watching the classic version, is there anything that bothers no. you? No. Really? I, I, I really don't remember anything that just grates at me. Mm-hmm. I, this movie and Empire Strikes Back alternate back and forth as mm-hmm. the top of my list, depending on what mood I'm in. Same here. But uh, I, I, don't, I don't have any... Any scene that just I can't stand or that bothers me. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing. How about you, Tom? Uh, I have two real little things. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is only because having seen Revenge of the Sith, which I think does play beautifully if you watch Sith to this one. I think they, oh, yeah. Watching just, this movie after man, watching Sith yeah, gives it just it makes a whole this new, universe huge. Gives it a whole new level. Yep, I agree. Mm-hmm. However, now it's a little too convenient for me that Obi-Wan happens to bump into Chewie and the cantina after mm-hmm. Chewie's helped Yoda. It's just a little too convenient. Too. Well, he never, Obi-Wan never met Chewie, right? I know, but I'm just saying the, the convenience of the fact that Chewie worked with Yoda. And yeah. Now it's just a little convenient. It, it kind of bugged me, but the biggest thing is not a, a scene as much as it is a line to this day. If I ever met Carrie Fisher, I'd tell her, I love you. You know, you fueled my little boy love of Princess Leia in that bikini. However, your delivery of the line, well, we uh, ran into some friends, old friends, you know, I felt like she should get, yeah, she should get a Charlie Chaplin sticker. (laughs) Hey, it's awful. It just, God, every time it comes along, I cringe. I hate that line. Well, you you were talking about the trash compactor earlier. What is it about that, about that creature that, that bothered you? Okay. So we've got this pristine, beautiful globe that goes around blowing up planets, mm-hmm. which, again, is a wonderful character in and of itself that you don't get in the prequels. No one goes and blows up anything. Everybody's It's nice occupation. we got goofy droids, but I digress. How does a creature get in that can, that uh, compactor? Is it somebody's pet they flushed down the toilet and it ended up in the <laughs> compactor? Why is it there? It doesn't make sense. It bugs me. The the what bugs me about I guess that that's scene, my bu- that's the scene that bugs me. There you go. Yeah, okay. The what bugs me about that scene, I guess there's more than one here, is that that, that creature wraps itself around Luke, brings him underwater. Mm-hmm. They're panicked that they've lost him, that, that he may be dead. Right. But then he comes up and goes, I don't know. He just let me go. Yeah. That's kind of a no that's a nothing scene to me. What kept you? We are running from old friends. Mm. Seems okay if we can get to it. Just it's weird. We are you, and her her eyes are like real big. You just can imagine her mom and dad coached her on that. You know? <laughs> um, back in the forties, back when <laughs> back when we were doing uh, uh, singing in the rain. Here's what we <laughs> exactly did. when we were real actors, we made our eyes real big. <laughs> uh, Binary song. That's my favorite musical cue in the whole song. Let me sing it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I um, liked it when I sang it on that one episode a while back. <laughs> you know, I, I, the whole scene of the trash compactor doesn't bother me because, again, I think it does serve the purpose, you know, that up until that point, Luke is very reactionary. Everything about him is, hey, you got, I was going to do this. and But suddenly at that point, because Ben's not there, our hero kind of has to take his moment and figure out, even though, you know, I want to smack him because if you'd shut up and quit whining and grab that thing and try to find 3 people, of course, he has his comm like off anyway. Mm-hmm. But it serves that moment. You know, Luke suddenly kind of takes charge a little bit. It's the first time we see him. I'm going to fix this situation. So it doesn't bother me. Started a really wonderful idea. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I forgot Did you grab these beforehand, or are you just finding them? I'm finding them on a web page. Man, you're good. So, um, how about 
fa favorite scenes. Well, I, I, I played. Two. I played one of my favorite scenes at the top of this, where mm -hmm. he's uh, situation's fine, everything's <laughs> normal. How are you? You know that whole bit is funny. Also, my other my other favorite scene. I just happen to have it uh, queued up. So let me play that for you real quick. I'm gonna stop the music. I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Chewie here tells me you're looking for passage to the Alderaan system. Yes, indeed. If it's a fast ship. <laughs> fast ship? You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. She's fast enough for you, old man. That was always one of my favorite, <laughs> my most favorite. In the cantina when they're, yeah. you know, him and Obi-Wan are talking. That is a great scene. Yeah, I love that scene. How about you, Todd? Uh, it's the Binary Sons. I, binary Sons? To this day, and, you know, my wife, even with my daughter in the other room, she's like, Abby, that's your daddy watching those sons. And it is because, <laughs> I mean, is a, I'm one of those people that's a, a dreamer more than I am anything. Mm -hmm. And I... For me, I know that feeling of sitting there going, when is my life going to be? And I think people that are dreamers, no matter what, to the day you die, you always wonder, when is that moment going to come for me? Yeah. And especially as a kid at 10 years old, I knew then. I, I remember having my chest just swell. <laughs> Somehow Brad is completely ruining it. <laughs> but, you know, I it, that hope that something's there. And yeah. it, it still it moves me to this day. That music does give me goosebumps when i watch that scene it's just yeah you could tell he wants to be off that planet so bad and it's you know sure there's the kind of overacting when he kicks the dirt but mm -hmm. when oh when, shucks yeah and it is you know but it's also part of what this is supposed to be it's a silly space opera but his look when he's looking out there you just see everything in the face and it like i said it moves me to this day i have two scenes to so make you feel uh, clumped <laughs> one but, todd after todd's uh, um if you come in like to the room mm -hmm. uh, while 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 Todd's watching that, if you listen carefully, <laughs> you can hear that going on <laughs> underneath all the music. Todd's got, like, like, a little, a, he's got like, like a little tear coming yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so you get Actually, you know what else would work? Scene. What else would work with that scene? Right. Oh. <laughs> with his little his little bindle on a stick, just walking down the you yeah. know. I wish he had the Charlie Brown. You don't. You all remember the Charlie Brown music when things would go bad, and he'd put his head in and goes dee dum dum, dee dum. We need to find that. I'll find it right now. Okay, so two the two scenes during that last reel, mm -hmm. and it's it's you've already mentioned one of them. It's when um, I get a little emotional when Luke decides to turn off uh, the computer. Yep, I'm actually getting very emotional here when he decides to turn off that computer and just go with his heart yep. and it's oh. just and we've all kind of you know you're, we're scared yeah. because this is the this is a countdown i love things that count down and we're counting down to this moment to where you know this is it he's it's it's make or break and and you believe in him so much and you know he's gonna do it but there's that tinge of doubt just in your soul mm -hmm. that you think he's not gonna do it of course everything works out in the end and Oh, second favorite, God, these are like tied. It is during the metal metal ceremony, mm. and they get their medals, mm -hmm. and Leia's looking at them. There's no dialogue, and hand, you know, they turn around to face 
everyone else and and everyone is applauding them and they're heroes and Han has that all shucks <laughs> and Han has that all shucks look on his face like you know I'm not used to this thanks but it's you know at that moment it's just you, you believe in heroes and here's the cast exactly. that's going to take you all the way to the rest of the two movies well, you know, it, it was so true about that. And I wanted that. to be there. You know, I wanted right. to get that medal, too. Well, what's so true about that is, you know, what, what we were talking about earlier, that this movie provided hope when people felt like there wasn't a lot of hope in times. And that moment comes along. And if you trust in yourself, you can lead. You can be that person. And it does. And one thing, I, I wrote this as a note, too, and I want to use your example of when Luke turns off the computer. You ever thought about, I'm sure you both know that originally Ben wasn't supposed to die. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how different this movie is if Ben doesn't die? And suddenly he's a coach in the Rebel strategy room going, Hey, Luke, turn off your computer. It completely changes this movie. It would. It, it isn't a spiritual movie at the end anymore. It isn't about the emergence of oneself over the repression of machinery. It's just another movie where you're coaching somebody on to blow it up. That single decision makes this movie to me. Nerd. Amen. Amen. Can I hear it from the choir? Oh, amen. Um, you guys want to talk about how? Let's talk about the Greedo thing. Okay. <clears throat> you know, I, I, to, the, to, to the, me, I don't think there's, there's much to be said. New edition screwed it up. It should be the way it was always. But in the DVD, he tried to fix it, quote unquote, mm-hmm. fix mm-hmm. it. Everybody, for those of you that don't, Han Solo kills Greedo without Greedo ever getting a shot off right. Right. in the theatrical the version. version. It's a classic it's, Western movie type thing. Guy under George the table, Lucas. Boom has been seen and photographed wearing a shirt that says Han shot first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. In the special edition, he changed it so Greedo got a shot off. Mm-hmm. Han does this little digital neck shrug. Which looks horrible. Yeah, it looks, looks awful. absolutely horrible. It's repaired a bit in the DVD, the special edition DVD, which the scene goes like this. I watched it on slow motion. Mm-hmm. Greedo actually fires first. But two frames later, Han's blaster fires. So when you're watching it in real time, it looks like they fire first. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe Greedo's people, what is it, Erodian? Maybe Erodians have quicker trigger fingers. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But they fire first. Uh, they fire same simultaneously, basically. Han does the little neck thing, and he misses. So my question is, why didn't he just go back to the way it was? Well, you know... It, it, that T-shirt has been seen since the DVDs yes, came out. Yes, it, it, And I yes. have a feeling. You think maybe he's realized? I think that maybe that next shouldn't. time DVDs are released, he's going to fix it. You, you think, think he's going to re- release more versions of this movie? Oh, come <laughs> he's on. He's looking at me like I'm an idiot. I mean, we already know that the 3D version is coming out in a couple years. Right. That's and, already been. And plus, George Lucas is in his yes. peak. Yeah. The, the original saga is mm-hmm. going to come out like that, and they're discussing the prequels, too. In 3D. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, wow. You know, George Lucas and his team all sit around and say, um, Todd Hartzell's not spending enough money anymore. Let's find <laughs> new ways to make it spend more money. Uh, My plan for world domination is uh, the, the funding needs a little more money. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't blame them because there is a new generation out there, mm-hmm. and they always want to make more money. Sure. But, uh, you know what? I am not going to buy any more. <laughs> well, neither am I. But, you know, even look at it this way with Brad and I having little girls. Mm-hmm. And forgive me, I don't know... Yeah, I'm single, no kids. Okay. Um, You know, Disney princesses have been around, what was the first princess movie? Came out probably in the 30s, 40s. Dear God, those people have been making tons of money off that forever. It's just part of the American way. Anybody that complains about it, that George Lucas ruined my childhood, all he does is want to make money, 
grow up and realize that when you have a marketable commodity, you're going to make money. And you're going to keep doing it forever and ever. You know what? Lord of the Rings that all these people love, they're going to keep making money off that. They're going to find ways to do it. Well, they're doing the Hobbit movies now. Yeah, the thing is, is whether they want to admit or not, the Lord of the Rings movie were a phenomenon, but they were not a cultural phenomenon. They did not change the landscape to where people had disco songs of it, where they were wearing masks to parties, where everybody's wearing all these T-shirts. It was a different time. So I... They're going to make money on it. Mm-hmm. They're going to, and, and I don't. Things. I don't blame either. I mean, we're we're all grown people. We can we can decide not to buy them or not. Right. I've decided. I have what I want. I'm happy with it. That's the the last release that came out. Brad and I talked about this. Mm-hmm. I think we all talked about it uh, uh, in an online chat together. That when we discussed watching this movie, I don't own the classic versions on DVD. I did not buy that last release. Mm-hmm. I don't either because I wasn't going to pay the money if they weren't going to give me a cleaned up. Um, at, uh, what anamorphic transfer? I yeah. wasn't going to do it. Bob Heine bought them uh, because he wanted to watch the theatrical version. Mm-hmm. They're not uh, enhanced for widescreen viewing. Mm-hmm. They are letterboxed. You see the whole thing, but it's a four by three. Yeah. Okay. Picture. Now you could, if if your TV works that way, you could hit that zoom function and it'll fill the screen as best it can. As best it can, but it's not. You know, it's going to be pixelated a little bit and grainy because it's zooming in on the picture. But, yeah, I don't understand why he didn't take the time to... Well, his excuse was that they didn't have a copy of the original negative. I find that hard to believe. Didn't well, they restore it for the special editions? the National Registry or whatever it is that keeps films? Yeah. Uh, they have a copy of it. It was one of the first films selected to that, and that they require an original negative of the original release. They don't get a special edition, I, I believe. Yeah. I could be wrong. Um. But you know, I, I was it was given it to me as a gift. I would not have bought it. Oh, really? Yeah. So, um, so that's why I, I have it. Um, Don't you have any Sam people in there? I'll find mm. some. Okay, let's talk about um, well Leia. Let's talk about her just as the princess. And you know, we were all young boys at that time, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we had a longing for her in, mm-hmm. in some respects. Absolutely. Um, um, I mean, how did that, until not until, not until time. Not until. Uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, oh, no. Did that, did that uh, happen to me? No, I pretty much had the longing right away. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm a height-impaired person, or height-challenged. <laughs> vertically so, challenged. Vertically challenged. So she is, I think, that uh, an actual 5'1", or 5'1". Yeah. So I was like, wow, she's teeny tiny like me. And the Imperial Senate will not steal this. Fl- when they hear you attack a diplomat, it's so great. You, know, you go back to references Disney princesses again. Most of them are very passive and sweet. Boy, this princess, she could kick your tail. Yeah. She did not take anything even off Darth Vader. She stood up to you're talking about. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. (laughs) Now that brings up a good point. How come Vader didn't sense any of the Force in her? I don't know. I wondered that too. You know, I know why. I know the answer. He thought she was hot. No. Okay. Because George Lucas made those movies before he made the the prequels. (laughs) That's the only logical answer. It's very possible. I think. I think in the back of his mind, maybe he had an idea. Well, you know, they could be brother and sister, but I don't think he. 100% 100% locked onto that. Let's let's speculate a little bit on what George thought at that time as to what eventually happened because the whole time I was really feeling it for Luke and Leia that they were that there was going to be a romance there. Did you guys ever feel that? Oh yeah. Uh, do do you think that Lucas had it planned out that they were actually brother and sister at that point? I again, I think maybe he had it in his mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he had it planned out. I just I think he probably did have it planned out, but he couldn't tell anybody about it. 
Yeah, that's probably you know, true. There was a, there was a. Um, is my music still playing? Yes. Yeah, I think there so. was I think a, so. a, 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 a thing that they released. It was like a, 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 a little record, play along record with a book. It was a Star Wars. It was right. called Mission to Ord Mantell. Bing. Nerd. Yeah. Huh? Nerd. I have it on my iTunes. If you nerd, want to hear it. turn your but you know what I'm now. talking about. Yeah. Bing. Han mentions that that bounty hunter we ran into on Ord Mantell. Mm-hmm. Well, they made a an audio story out of it, and in that, which I've never heard, but I need I've to got hear. it. I can let you hear it. Okay. It's, it's it explains what happened. So sure. that's a, just a, a missing piece that you don't have to have missing anymore. But in that, Luke was like, "Well, hey, Lee, I haven't seen you in a while. You know, I've kind of missed seeing you. Well, you know, there was a little bit of." I know Luke, and I'm sorry that I haven't been able to visit with you. And so there's a little <laughs> bit of that that tension there, you know. Yeah. Um, I have Excuse in my me. possession. I have a um, something. Called, it was put out by Marvel. It's called Star Wars Two. <laughs> Star two. Wars Two. Yes. It's like the Godfather. Yes, two. and um, it doesn't follow any canon or anything, but there is some romance between those two. Hmm. It's a little paperback, um, in comic book form, but it's. They go to a plant. I can't remember the story. It's very forgettable. But there is a little bit of romance in there. Well, I remember, you know. It, but it, I, I think that was rushed out because of oh, the sure. phenomenon. That it was just, let's just put out a book. Trying to us. make some money, keep it in the. Right. Oh, for goodness sake, it's called Star Wars 2. <laughs> well, you know, I remember, uh, and I don't do this anymore. I, I think Brad knows this. Anybody knows me very well. I'm real big on spoilers. I don't want to know them. I don't want you to tell me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I don't even watch trailers. And part of that comes from. Uh, this kid reading the novelization of Empire Strikes Back before it came out. Mm-hmm. And, of course, gee, you read that when it kind of ruins the movie for you. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say what happens in case no one's ever seen it. And if you haven't, you need to take a day off You're work. You're 12. I'll say it. <laughs> um, but the cover of the Empire book, you know, it's obviously that's that poster that's the very Gone with the Wind poster yes. of Han holding Leia. I remember seeing that and wanted to throw it across the room. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's my hero's girl. Get your hands off of her. Yeah. So, you know, in my mind, I remember that thought that they, I thought, ooh, the hero and the princess. So it was mm-hmm. a little weird. Nerd. And I'm trying to remember, it's suggested in Empire, but it's revealed in Jedi, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Suggested that. That their brother and sister. In in that, well, the only way it's suggested. How is it suggested? Is when um, it's a, Luke leaves Dagobah. And Ben says he's our only hope. He goes, well, oh, there's Yoda another. Says, there's another. And you, you at least get the idea that somebody, and, and obviously yeah. you've got two other main characters in the stories. Right. you got Leia and Han, so it's one of them. Yeah. And I never bought that Han was his brother. I knew there were people that said, I was like, come on. So that is a that is an interesting theory, but, but yeah, of course we know it in, in retrospect, but it is a, Oh, wow. Um, what do you guys think of, of, uh, of the Jabba scene that, that's in the, um, in the restored version? Mm. I liked it, but <clears throat> I can't figure out why he decided to add Boba Fett into it. Because everybody loves Boba Fett. Yeah. He regrets to this day having killed Boba Fett because he's so marketable. Yeah, That's the only reason I can think of for him to add Boba Fett into that scene. Mm-hmm. Now, this begs the question, does Han know Boba Fett at this point? I don't know. I never thought about that. I don't, I don't think we're giving... We're really giving, given any reason to think that he knows who Boba Fett is. He never acknowledges him in any way. Yeah. The only the only time he really acts like he knows who Boba Fett is is in Return of the Jedi, 
when Chewie's telling him that Boba Fett turns yeah. growling and he goes, Boba Fett? You know, right. like, Boba Fett? Like, I know who Boba Fett is. And, and maybe something's happened in the universe since then that he's learned who he is. But, yeah. it, you know, the, I like the scene. Uh, I like it in the DVD since they fixed Jabba a little more to make him look like the episode one animation. Yeah. That first yeah. animation, God, that was awful. Yeah. Um, the only thing about it is, is it necessary, and doesn't it feel like it slows down the plot just a tad? It, 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 it's redundant. Yeah. It, it's redundant. It um, it takes away a little bit from the reveal of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, he's there. You know, when Luke first comes in and you see this grand ship, and I don't know about your reaction, but I was like, whoa. And then you hear Luke says, what a hunk of junk. That wasn't going through my mind when right. I first saw it. So you realize that this is a piece of piece of junk ship but um yeah it slows it down a little redundant it it doesn't add anything to me and i absolutely hate the shot of of a meandering um bobo fett walking it's almost like here i am yeah you see everybody will cheer yeah Yeah. well we don't need that and i also think it's one of the things that really struck me this last time is that and i've already mentioned this you, what a piece of junk! <laughs> I am so in awe of you. Um, in the in the prequels, you don't ever get the feeling of oppression, of being occupied. The droids are occupying and somehow keeping the people from doing what they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the classic example, and it's it's very reminiscent of this this part of New Hope when Qui Gon and Obi Wan go to get to the Queen's ship, mm-hmm. and Anakin's talking to the droids. Well. Those droids are just sort of standing there. They aren't doing anything. The the guys, the pilots are sitting down over there, and Obi-Wan sort of strolls over, and he pops a couple of them. And then the guys don't even run. They don't do anything. They sort of half-jog to the ship. There's something Lucas lost in that, in the in his storytelling ability, because there's no urgency to it. What scene are you talking about? I, uh, uh, ep- episode one. In, Phantom Menace, the airport, the uh, air hangar scene? Yes, when they're trying to get to the Queen's ship for the first time. And oh, right. We're going to Coruscant, Coruscant, that doesn't compute. It, it, it has... Those droids, it's it's wrong. And and I'm going to reference a TV show, Hope, that's okay. I don't know if either of you watch... We don't talk about TV shows on the show. I quit. <laughs> um, I don't know if you watch the new Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I've seen the first two seasons, three seasons. Okay. Uh, oh, my God. Well, they've shown that you can make robots scary and ominous. Yes. These robots in, in the prequels are not the same as the Stormtroopers. I'm going to get back to New Hope. I promise mm-hmm. I'm getting there. They're these little whimsical, silly droids. It's like, Coruscant, that does not compute. I'm not scared of them. I can kick them over. Yeah, they're toothpicks. Right. And then when you get to a new hope, and this is getting back to the Jabba scene, the one thing it takes away from me, for, for me is this overbearing feeling. Once you got to Mos Eisley, there are stormtroopers everywhere you're turning. And as soon as the little, I uh, forget, God, what's that character's name? Garen Dan. Thank you. Um once he reports Nerd. it, then, then here come the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Well, now, but you've slowed it down with a four-minute scene of him talking to Jabba about information I've already got. You're taking away that oppressing feeling that's very important to this kind of story. Mm-hmm. You know? And once again, it's even, that kind of oppression is even in, you know, you talk about the, the relation of Lord of the Rings. You know, you've got the orcs bearing down or whatever they yeah. were. I'm not as big of a geek about that, but... So it, it's a scene that's not needed to me. It kind of takes away from stuff. Yeah. It is redundant because, you know, he, he he says something about dropping their cargo at the first sign of an Imperial starship. Mm-hmm. Greedo says as much to him, to right. Han, mm-hmm. and we've already, okay, we already got it, you know. Mm-hmm. could He put it in there because he could, mm-hmm. you know. He had the technology. 
Can I, can I digress real quick to <laughs> Greedo? You know, it's kind of... God, it's such a great piece of music. Benny Goodman done modern, you know? <laughs> oh, hey, since... Since this came up and you want to change thoughts, mm-hmm. I have a surprise for you guys. Excuse me. Okay, let's listen to this for a little bit. I can get down to can, that. can I tell you what my daughter says? Yeah. Because I recently purchased the Star Wars Lego game so she could play with me, which she yeah. thinks is adorable. Yeah. We're watching this. She goes, Daddy, it's your video game. And I was like, oh, that's right, oh, baby. And so she gets up and starts dancing. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, she's a cute kid. Okay, hey. you guys know what a manualist is? Manualist? A manualist. Mm-hmm. No, I could only guess. A I'm manualist a afraid, is a guy who plays music with his hands. Okay. You know the, oh, cool. the toot sounds? Okay. Listen to this. Why do you why do you, why do you end the show on this? This guy. Uh, is there a video of this guy? Yeah, he's yeah, right here on is. YouTube. See, yeah, Brad's saying right here on YouTube, and he's facing away where I can't he's, see him. He's sitting on his couch. He's got speakers behind him, so the music's playing. So uh-huh. he's playing along with the track. If you listen, you can hear it in the gotcha. background. But the dude is just, he's going to town with his hands. Do you think he'd sit in with Sundog sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, look what I can do. <laughs> oh, wait, Honey, he wouldn't does the whole song. It's two and a half minutes long. God, they'd kill your hands at the wall. It's amazing. Listen to this part. Listen, listen, listen. <laughs> it's the trombone sound. Get off favorite still going. Okay, I will. Nice. Isn't that awesome? I want that to be my ringtone. <laughs> His girlfriend must be proud. Oh my oh. god. Or maybe not. <laughs> and that's why the internet is so important. Well, you know, it's funny because, and if I can reference the band again, Rodney, our guitarist, you've never seen this, but is incredibly talented with being able to go eye socket and make fart noises. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to have to show him that he's been put to shame. <laughs> he has no talent. This guy's this good. Guy. He, also, he even does the Super Super Mario Brothers thing and Sweet Child of Mine by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> and what? Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Why is this guy not... Um, not he's got a dumb smile on his face the whole time. I'm going to get up and look. You're going to have to peek over my shoulder here. Listen, listen. Yeah, he's a winner. Oh my gosh. Okay, I think we're boring everyone who funny? can't see this. So. Oh, man. It just kills me. I found that, that the funny. other day and I just started yeah. dying laughing. We will put that on the uh, on the youtube.com slash half hour wasted page. Oh, you can see it there. Oh my gosh. Uh, please, can we go back to John Williams' beautiful yes, music just so okay. that clears my Is that lesson. where you're headed? I, I was going to say one thing about Greedo, but we can go there. Uh, uh, the, let's do Greedo. Fish your thoughts on Greedo. The one thing that bugs me there. If he wants to come up and say, hey, I don't want Han to be a, hot, a cold-blooded killer. I can understand that being a parent, you know, he's a parent now. You don't like for cold-blooded murder. Instead of Greedo shooting first, where we don't have to put in superhuman right. reflexes, why didn't Greedo, like, point a gun and it jam? That's a nice. lot easier. You could shoot an insert. 
and you know, you could even animate Greedo looking at his gun or something. There's yeah. a way to get around it. There was no imagination used in it. Mm-hmm. It was a simple fix that's wrong. It's bad. Okay. It shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been changed in the first place. You're right, I, I but I'm we, just saying there are ways to have done it that are better than the. What was the point of him doing it in the first place? Because this way he's not a cold-blooded murderer. But he he's a rogue. I mean, but, he's a. He, Exactly. You know, Han is Han is transported from the classic scoundrel. Western. Yeah. You know? He's a scoundrel. He's the he's the cowboy that walks into the bar and, and somebody's trying to shoot him in the back, but he's faster and he gets him. That's what that scene is. And by putting Greedo in, you ruin it. It's wrong. George Lucas, I love you. It's wrong. Wrong. I agree. I think I mean that's a hundred I, I have yet to meet anyone who's ever thought that, that was a good scene. Yeah. If they no. do, they're wrong. Yeah. Okay, so you want to talk about Jay? Uh, we should probably wrap on this part. John Williams' music, Retta. We're just over an hour. Oh, we uh, don't get to talk for like two hours. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, we could if we went to. Um, keep going. Uh, we got an extra bandwidth. Now. That's right. We got extra bandwidth. Woo. Let's talk John Williams. I think he's as essential to this movie as any other part. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't have if if this movie. That's what this this the music is the movie. Yeah. Yes. When you listen to that episode four soundtrack. When I, I randomly pick a, a track from there, I know exactly what part of the movie that is. Mm-hmm. It's another character in the movie. It's just as important as Han or Luke or Leia. And binary thing, Sun scene. Um, which this is the original Binary Sun, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, this is the alternate. Yeah, this is the one he originally put there, and Lucas was like, hey. Yeah. And they went back and recorded the other I'm one. I'm going to skip that one. Thing. Okay, good. We're going to go to the second disc. We've We've gone through the first disc. Okay. And I'm going to go to the second disc now. Oh, you know, I wanted to draw attention to something we just kind of glossed over. The second Cantina Band song. Play that song again. I love this song. And I, I, yeah, it's, it's as good. It's not as catchy as the other one, but it's good. It, it's in the movie, is it not? Uh-huh. Very. Yeah. After it cuts outside and it comes back into the Cantina again, yeah. it's there. You saw In fact, the, this is the music underneath the meeting with Obi Wan, is it yeah, not? It is. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. It sure is. Now, you, you saw the the Star Wars Family Guy special, did you not? I have not seen it yet. Oh I'm my not. Gosh. A, I don't like Family Guy a lot, but everybody in the world is like, if you don't watch that, we're well, gonna beat you up. It, look at it this way: George Lucas uh, approved. I agree. This. I know. I know. He and he asked, <clears throat> please change this and this, mm-hmm. but the rest he approved. So there's a funny bit about the Cantina Band. Oh, really? And the cantina band's like, hey, guys, thanks for coming out. Any requests? And he, he turns to the side, and he goes, play the same song again. <laughs> <laughs> and so they start playing that one song uh, over again. Nice. It's pretty awesome. Dude. That's yeah. funny. Well, I think, I think to me the thing about John Williams' music in it is that uh, you, you referenced Logan's Run before. Mm-hmm. That's a very spacey-sounding soundtrack with synthesizers doing yes. do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Well, here he's using that. You know, that's... Good Lord, I'm I'm going to try and harken back to being a music major and knowing this. You know, it's very Tchaikovsky. You've got the introduction of the Jawas is very Stravinsky. You've got the Wagnerian theme at the front. They're the, all those things light motifs. That, we've got all these things we've all heard before in classical music, but he somehow juxtaposed it into this and mashed them all together, and it, it's just gorgeous. Immediately, you know, Lucas has said a thousand times this movie is a silent movie. You could turn off the dialogue and know what's going on. Oh, and half yeah. of the reason that's true is because of the emotions that these pieces bring out. Golly, there, there are so many elements that that just 
worked perfectly to make I this agree. movie happen. I mean, imagine if so, Jerry Goldsmith did the music to this mm-hmm. or someone else. It would be a totally different movie. And would we ha- would it have the same emotional impact? Probably not. Well, and it's funny because I don't think uh, William's score scores for the prequels are quite as strong as these. And they're th- not. And I think that's Lucas's fault for storytelling because his archetypes are not as strong. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy to identify. Now, I think once you get to Sith, by that time, half of the archetypes are pulling from the classic trilogy. And so I think that's probably the most consistent of the soundtracks that, for the prequels. Hey, I, I don't want to derail real quick, but um, you said you have a five-year-old daughter. I do. Um, has she seen episode one? She saw it. And what she think? She liked it. Um, Did she I, get excited about it? It's like one of her favorite well, movies. Because you know, because obviously, Daddy loves it so much. She 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 delights in Star Wars, buying me things for Christmas, mm-hmm. and and she owns some of those little preschool mm-hmm. Star Wars stuff. Because and to be quite fair, I adore my daughter. I don't want her to get in a situation where she runs in my room and breaks one of my things. I would never want us to get to that point where Daddy was like, oh, "You broke my toy." Mm-hmm. Well, and good lord, I'm 41 year old, and I just said broke my toy. Um, <laughs> So I got her those, and she plays with them and loves them and gets excited. When she watched it, she was like, Daddy, I've got that toy. And she really enjoyed it. She, and, you know, I, I was able to see episode one through completely new eyes, watching it with her. How about her reaction to Jar Jar? I thought it was funny. She, and yeah, is, but, is it know, a character she loves? I mean, does she like... I wouldn't oh, say he, love, but she, she thinks he's funny because he, he lowered himself to the lowest common denominator, which is poop jokes. Yeah. And five-year-olds, good God, if they're good for nothing, it's that you can make them die laughing by simply going, they'll, (laughs) yeah, that was a room of five-year-olds. Thank you. I'll be here all day. Um, So, yeah, she loves it. Okay. I I didn't want to get too much. Let's get back to Star Wars. It's not just five-year-olds. Oh, I know. I love a good fart joke, too. Oh, you know, okay. To this day, I I fall over laughing at a good one. But... Yeah, she she likes it. I haven't let her watch Attack the Clones for the simple reason, no offense to you, it's probably my least favorite of all okay. the movies. And I also think that you start getting into some themes that are a little bit inappropriate for five-year-olds. So okay. When she gets a little bit older, it's, it's her decision to make. Okay. Uh, has she seen You Hope? She does. She's seen that just because I, you know, there are places where I'll cover Todd her Todd has this special chair with these, like, belt buckle straps and <laughs> Velcro, this, like, head strap and toothpicks that prop her eyes open. Yeah. And whenever he watches that movie... He straps her into that chair and makes her watch it well, with him. Yeah, see, that's that's really my chair because I feel like I have to go to the Temple of Star Wars all the time and I can't sleep. Kinda, <laughs> that's kind of gross. Um, even has electric shocks. And like if, if he starts to hear her <laughs> snore. For those of you that have seen the uh, that watch Lost and see the chair that the guy oh, gets yeah. strapped into to watch yeah. film, it's that one. That's right. pretty much it. Uh, she's seen it. She it doesn't hold her attention a lot. However, she she adores Luke and my. Uh, you know, if if we were to have a second child, my my wife wants to name a child Luke, not because of my love. It's because she knew a little boy named Luke, thought he was sweet, and I'm like, you can't do that to me. <laughs> However, now my daughter is like, Lame. if we want, if we have a baby boy, I want him to be named Luke. So I'm pretty much doomed for people to go nerd the rest of my life when it has nothing to do with it. So nerd. yes, she's seen it. Thank you. Um. Okay. And any other things you want to touch uh, on? Here? I was going to ask Todd to look at his notes because. He did his homework. I did. Where's uh, your notes, Brad? Oh, they're all in my head. Oh, you gotta write them down. I'm a write down noter. Actually, you know what? I did make a couple of notes. Mm-hmm. Let me find them here. Um, while you're looking at the, there are a couple acting notes, and I think Alec Guinness is. The, in fact, I'm positive he's the only Academy Award nomination for acting in this film. Who? Alec Guinness. Oh. And I'm telling you, watch that man's performance in key places. He deserves it. 
when he's about to uh, when he's watching Leia's message come out of R two, the wheels that. are turning, and you can almost sense that he thinks it's time. Mm-hmm. Especially with you know Sith is there. It's just the way he's looking like. It's finally here. We've all been waiting for this moment. And then that hesitant moment right before he tells Luke what happened to his father. He does he, that little eye shift, that little... And he mm, kind of bobs his body yeah. a little bit like, I'm going to make up a lie. And, yeah. you know, you, you got a sense that Luke has told him, you know more than you're letting on. Yeah, there, there has... He had to... You know what? I w- it wouldn't even surprise me if George pulled him aside and said, okay, come here. This is what I think is going to happen. And this yeah. is what I think Obi-Wan knows. Right. But you can't tell anybody. And then, um, I'm sorry. No, I, I, that's because that's the scene where C3PO shot down. So mm-hmm. I watched that scene a couple times, looked for cues and stuff. And you're so right mm-hmm. in what you're saying. Uh, Alec is just, he's on his game. His wheels and, are always yeah. turning. And, and, and there was one that even struck me this time for the first time. Uh, when he sees Darth for the first time and said the Death Star, he hesitates for a moment as he walks forward. That'd be the first time he sees Darth and that costume. And there's something about, and I don't, I, I watched it like two or three times. I don't think it's just me trying to read into it. He looks and he sort of slows his pace down. And you get the feeling like he's seeing Anakin for the first time in that costume. And it's just a nice bit of acting, of consciously perceiving. You, you guys don't understand what I'm saying? Yes. I understand. No, I, I'm, I'm in awe. I, uh, I was just staring at Todd, listening to every word. Did you, yeah, you're right. That's the first time you saw him. Uh-huh. And and I think I think Lucas may have said, "Look, you two had a big," f-, and he knew at that time he had a big fight above a lava planet. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and lava planet. The last time you saw him, you thought he was dead, but you know it's him. Well, you know that's the funny thing about these movies. There is no such. You're on Earth, and I I have to go to Hawaii to see a volcano. I have to go to Africa to see desert, etc. Yeah. In these movies, the planets are 100% desert, are 100% yeah. you know lava. So it's yeah. always kind of funny to me about these movies. Yeah, <laughs> and and yeah, yeah. And there, there's always a unified government on the planet. But well, that's Star Trek too. Star Trek always has the the planet with the unified. I can only think of one Star Trek episode where there was a planet that had a binary government. Was the I think black it was and white me. face guys? Oh, <laughs> no, it was actually Next Generation, but I digress. Let's get back to Star Wars. Um, something that Todd said reminded me of this. I was thinking, um, what was it that you were saying, Todd, about, oh, yeah, Obi-Wan seeing Luke, uh, seeing uh, Anakin Darth? for the first time yeah. in his Darth Vader garb. He um, He obviously knew that Luke, that Anakin had become Darth Vader. Because he tells Luke, a, a pupil of mine named Darth Vader. Well, he's also seen the tapes inside the Jedi thing where he's like, rise Darth okay, Vader, that's, Lord Vader. <laughs> that's what I was I was going to ask you to confirm. I thought they had handled that in episode three, where he, he's watching the security camera and he sees Palpatine address him as Lord Vader. Right. Okay. Having said all that and established all that, why does he call him Darth like it's a first name? Well, you know, I... Or I, ha- how does how does George... Weasel out of that. I don't we think he, I don't think he does. I think at that time he didn't realize that Darth would be no, a, of course a, not a, a title. Yes, thing. A, a, an honorific, and that Vader would be the actual name. Yes. Um, I've heard people since explain it that they thought Obi Wan was kind of jabbing at him, not calling him I by like his that. name, and just sort of calling him yeah, Darth. That, I, that can be one of the only feasible yeah, yeah it, it, I, I, I i was thinking <clears throat> that same thing like oh he's just poking fun at him by the way you haven't done your customary <coughs> thing yet <laughs> not oh. once all day i think i've calmed it out of you 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> Get, but going back to your point, yeah, you're right. It's almost like um, like you work for someone and you don't like, like him. Go sure thing, boss. Yeah. So maybe maybe it's that kind of well, attitude. Master Vivil Darth. Yeah, I think at that, that time they they may have really thought his name was Darth. I don't yeah. I don't know. Well, that, the, that the had to be the being only. Created, so. Yeah, that had to be the that has to be the only reason he called him Darth in 1977. Right. Mm-hmm. Was because that was his first name. Right? Yeah. But I mean, as, as nerds, we always look to recon. We always look for clues, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm sure Lucas had a plan. But I mean, surely he knew. Maybe you know better that. You know, this was a gamble. Would there be a part two? Uh, yeah, at that time, he definitely didn't know that. I mean, that's the reason it was so genius, the way he constructed his contract. And, mm-hmm. and took. Uh, there's a there's a great new book, and unfortunately, I don't recall what it's called. But uh, The Making of Star Wars it, is it's, a big table. It, it just came out, and it is enormous. What's Someone it lent that to me. I have it. It's, it's very big. Uh, uh, the, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of a white cover with uh, Lucas and Mark Hamill, and they would be on a Tunisia oh, scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's called Making book, is the, most, the book looks awesome. It's the most expansive telling of the making of this film, and it mm-hmm. even gets to the point where the contracts came out where he was basically making no money mm-hmm. and went on the tail end with this and said he retains the rest of sequels and et cetera. So I, I, he had no idea. He, you know, he went off on a vacation and thought the thing was going to flop. So he hoped it would get out there, but that was the whole thing. He was just going to make this, hope to make enough money to make it again. And I don't think he knew where he was going from that point on. Yeah. Kind of, I've been waiting for you, Obi-Wan. We meet again at last. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, God. See, even there, it's that line reveals that there was a relationship between the two. Right. You know, um... Well, this make, universe make. is beautifully constructed in that, mm. you know, you can tell he wrote his backstory. Yeah. He just didn't go back and tell his backstory as well. Yeah. Um... In retrospect, do you wish that the that the first three movies were made? The way I like to look at it, and this drives my wife nuts, and when she listens to this, she'll immediately stop this and call me and tell me I'm wrong. I I won't watch one and two. Okay. I'll start it at three and treat it as though I'm getting in the middle of a story, just mm-hmm. as I did with four, because then I don't have to see a love relationship that doesn't work. I think suddenly if you take out episode two, where they fall in love talking politics, which by the God, why didn't he simply do the Raiders of the Lost Ark love story? Put him in a precarious situation where Anakin has to rescue her, he gets hurt, she takes care of him, they fall in love. Okay. That would have worked. She's tried, they tried to assassinate her. Anyway, I think if you started episode three and they suddenly have that meeting, you know, uh, after the opening battle, that love scene isn't quite as cringe-inducing. I, I also don't feel the need to watch episodes one or two again. If I watch episode two again, it would be for the arena yeah. battle to see all the Jedi doing their thing, mm-hmm. to see a little bit of Mace Windu. I I can also forget those first two episodes. You know, if I were to suggest, you know, someone who's never seen the movies, I would I would tell them, I may have mentioned this in another, another episode, but I would have them watch it in this order. I'd have them watch Phantom Menace first. Okay. Then go to 4, 5, 6. Then go back to two and three to get the backstory because mm-hmm. I think by getting too much of the backstory in two and three, mm-hmm. it it taints four a little bit. It uh, taints New Hope. It's kind of nice. It definitely that taints mystery. Empire. I mean, it completely yeah. almost ruins Empire. Yeah. How so? Because half of that thing is just. The, I mean, the the theme. 
I, I'm a firm believer, and, and Brad knows this as being a movie nut, that every film has a theme. It's an underlying current of what message it's trying to get across to you. you know? right. um, and Empire is about discovering your identity. Who are you? You know, emerging, trusting yourself. And then the information that Luke gets at the end of that, if it's not there, that has no power. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to suggest to anybody, if you want to watch all six, you watch the originals, then you watch the prequels. Okay. And that and that's a great way to watch it, too. I like the first one because it gives you a little bit of a history. You don't... It doesn't reveal too much information. Mm-hmm. In fact, you could watch that first one and just kind of get a taste of what Star Wars is, but you don't know what Anakin's real story is mm-hmm. until until two and three but you know if you see if you see phantom menace and then go into four and still well i know the star wars universe and i know about jedis but you know where's that little kid fit in and then later on you realize that little kid is darth vader oh my gosh yeah i think that's a very powerful thing i I, it's again the the prequels i don't think they're wrong Mm -hmm. i think they have a lot of elements I, i i know you guys read one thing that i wrote to you before about how i think you could have made Anakin very powerful and you know the the biggest rule of cinema is show me don't tell me Mm -hmm. and the originals are classic examples of that you know uh, there's the scene on the Death Star when Obi-Wan is going along looking for the tractor beam and Darth it cuts to a shot of Darth in a hallway where he senses him you've just shown me that these two guys know they're about to meet but the prequels are constantly tell me tell me tell me you know a little right a little kid that's a very powerful statement that this sweet, innocent boy is going to end up the most evil thing in the world. But why not have shown me how powerful he was instead of telling me? Mm-hmm. I never felt he was powerful. It's the same as Darth Maul. I don't think he's scary. I, 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 General Grievous is cool. Doesn't scare me at all. Not like Vader did. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Why, why, why wasn't General Grievous mentioned in the first movie or something like that? Is a general have him get injured, then the Emperor rebuilding? Why don't we see these things? Why don't we have an overall arc? In the in the prequels that we do in the the, the final ones in the originals, excuse me. Are, are you asking or is it rhetorical? Or I, I'm asking you know, if you want to interject. That's um, you know I think because the, that had not been de- that part of the story had not been developed yet. I think and he it, just rushed. Yeah, I do too. I don't think I don't. I, I think he knew what he wanted to do. He knew where he needed to go. Mm-hmm. Knew where he needed to end up. But how to get there, you know, he wasn't quite sure. And he, he should just, have turned it over to a writer. He could have. He could have taken a, director, a little time. Just uh, an accomplished director. Well, you know, I, I don't think that... I think that if he was given better scripts, he could have probably directed them. Mm-hmm. But they don't have the classic arcs. They don't have the classic moments where if this occurs, this is going to have to pay off like mm-hmm. these originals do. It's, and, you know, I, I love what you just said about the show me, don't tell me, because that's what Star Wars is all about. Mm-hmm. That's uh, uh, New Hope. It's all about show me. Darth Vader comes in the room. We don't know who he is. But we know what he represents. Right. We we see Leia. You know, we don't know who she is, but we know what she represents. Right. We see that Death Star. We don't know what it is, but we know what it represents. It, it again goes back to the silent film idea that if you went back and watched the silent films, they they would they would have a pianist, they'd have an organist mm-hmm. who would play music, and the emotions came from that. Here was an image, and you can just imagine this movie without dialogue, and you you saw Luke, dee, 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 dee. you'd know that's a hopeful theme. These movies explain themselves 100%. They don't need me to stop down and go, Anakin, I sense that you know more than you're saying. You know, God, that, sorry, I don't want to get into that scene in episode one. It just makes me cringe. Well, well, no, I mean, this is the whole universe and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, everything's fair game. But um, I have another couple of nerdy questions. Okay. 
Why doesn't Owen recognize C-3PO or R2-D2? It's a lot of droids. Yeah, there are a lot of droids in the world. I would imagine, to me, an R2 unit that, you know, good God knows they've marketed enough of those toys for us to buy, and they've been in all different colors. You would think there's more than one blue R2 droid. Plus, it's been 17, 18 years. It's true. Maybe I don't remember anybody from 17 minutes ago. Yeah. I mean, that, you? That, that doesn't bother me that much. Okay. You know, what? last time you saw C-3PO, he was, uh, you know, he was a... He was beat up and in colored like tin. Exactly. Last time Owen saw him, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he hadn't been polished yet. That's true. But wouldn't he have known his name? No, maybe not. I mean, you figure somebody that's had that heart of life where you're out trying to pull moisture out of the. Which, by the way, has anybody ever noticed in, in Owen and Brew's little cubby hole, whatever mm-hmm. down on the earth? Have you ever noticed all the flowers in that place? <laughs> no, I never. I have never noticed it until this past time. I'm thinking these people it. are trying to pull moisture from the air. But boy, they got some beautiful flowers around that path. <laughs> Next time you watch it, look at that. They're all purple and beautiful. Uh, you know, when Owen is talking. That's one of the perks of being a moisture farmer. I guess so. Yeah, there you go. You could have your own garden. Um, when Owen is talking to C3PO in that one scene, you know, about being a translator and stuff like that, Owen's very short with him. He's just kind of, okay, hey, can you translate into binary? No, okay, come on. I have no use for a protocol droid. Maybe yeah, he doesn't he, like droids, and maybe he just sort of puts them aside and doesn't think about them. Yeah. I mean, they're just machines to him. He what, have what's your other question, Bradley? How does Grand Moff Tarkin get away with Boss and Vader around? Oh, we've talked about this. Um, you know what? Um, or I've heard this discussed before. Um, you know, Vader works for the Emperor, and whatever the Emperor tells him to do, right. he will do. If em- if the Emperor tells him, go go watch this and do everything that Grand Mar- Ma- Moff tells you, do it. Yeah, and I think it's one of those situations where Darth... I always like to think of it, that maybe he has the upper hand, really, because the Emperor has said, look, yeah. I got this guy here, you know, he's, he doesn't really keep up with me giving me information. Go watch him, Dorothy. You know, and Darth goes off and lets him think he's in charge. Yeah. But he's telling on him every five seconds. Yeah. I guess so. I, I mean, guess. It, it, it's almost like having, you know, it, it's like having a, a babysitter when you're a, ki- a kid, you know. You're going to do everything that babysitter says, knowing that that's going to go back to your parents. Right. Do you I know. need to stop the music? No, I just, it's one of Todd's my favorite musical cues. Uh, speaking of favorite musical cues, and I, I guess we're going to have like y'all's longest episode ever. <laughs> the special editions mix out some of the musical cues, especially whenever the trench run starts. There's a fanfare where the uh-huh. the X wings dive in, uh-huh. but they take the sound effects up now, and there yeah. and a lot of people complained about it, and I hate it because it's just so triumphant. Here we go. Well, the sound editor said we went back to the original mixing notes. No, you didn't, because I remember th- I remember those because I saw this movie in the theater a hundred times. Little bitty theater in my town. We could pay once and sit there all day. Yeah, and that's what I did. And I remember that fanfare, and it's just gone now. Kind of like it though. Coca Cola when they went to New Coke and they went back to Coca Cola Classic. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as yeah, as the original Coca Cola. That's very good. It's I not agree with at that. all. Yeah. It you know there may be something you like about it, but it's not what you wanted. Mm-hmm. When. Uh, when Luke and Leia are swinging across mm-hmm. where the light bridge was supposed to be, Leia is blasting across the chasm at the stormtroopers. In the special edition in the theaters, they added like this really heavy, Shotgun. beefy <laughs> gun noise. They pulled it back a little bit in the DVD. Yep. Um, in the theater, in the special edition, they're coming through, 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 through. Oh, yeah. They added that echo. Mm-hmm. 
Well, on the DVD, they pulled that back a little more. It's still there, but it's nowhere it's near there, as prominent. But no, it's not. But I love the fact that, that the Echo was there originally. I mean, it, it really shows they're stuck, and it's just how big it and is. All, and how expansive this yeah. place is. Yeah. You mean in the special edition? No, I'm talking about the original. Just with period. The Echo. Was it in the original? Yeah, they've yeah. always had an Echo, but yeah. okay. you know, obviously now they've remixed it for surround yeah. sound. There were just a few changes. Let's Let's talk about changes that we can think of we've already talked about greedo we've talked about i hate the big scene at the end of the movie hate it the big scene at the bigs, end of the movie? you know when they're about to oh, go bigs bigs his friend bigs blasted oh. bigs where are you why because now uh, now i like it i like the idea of it because i've always thought bigs death at the end of the movie rings hollow it didn't mean anything it does, to me. yeah. you just think he's some guy that he's latched onto it just feels tacked in if you're going to do that, you know, there's a there's a rule of thirds in cinema. You know, if you're going to – a joke works because you want, you, say it, you say it once, you say it a second time. Third time, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's the same as any other convention in, in cinema. If you want Big's death to ring true, you're going to have to put that scene in the first of the movie. Yeah. The fabled scene that's cut. Now, right. And I recently – somebody sent me a friend of Sean uh, – Sean, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of Brad and mine, sent me a, a cut somebody made of it where they used the radio dramas – to fill out some dialogue. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, sure, there are places where it doesn't sink, but they, it really worked well. You could cut that scene down to a minute, a minute and a half, where it's a little tacked-in scene. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, we would establish who Biggs is. We would see Biggs again, and when he does, it pays off. Let's see, Biggs is mentioned at the beginning when Luke wants to go to the Academy. Oh, Biggs is right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never get out of here. And and you're right. You know, I, I didn't realize until last night that Biggs actually dies in that... Mm-hmm. I just did, that just didn't really. It's one of those that in the originals, you know, you only get it because if you've paid attention, you yeah. get Biggs as his friend, and he's Blasted talking about Biggs. Where are you? And there's nothing wrong with that kind of dialogue. That's a that's a character that's well rounded. That's talking about things that we're not going to have explained. Movies sometimes exist best in the area where you don't explain something to me. Mm-hmm. But by suddenly tacking Biggs in, and especially putting the wipe, which I think most of the wipes in the movies are genius. Hey, Luke. How are you? How's you getting? Hey, coming up? I'll be right up there with you. And have I got stories to tell you? You sure you can handle this ship, sir? Luke is the best first pilot in the outer rim territories. And wipe? You'll do all right. Thank you, sir. I'll try. I gotta get aboard. We'll hear all your stories when we get back. All right? Right. Hey, I told you I'd make it someday. It'll be like old times, Luke. They'll never stop us. Except when they blow me out of the sky here in a few minutes. Excuse me while I brush my mustache. Yeah. And you like yeah, my that, mustache? That that scene they shot, that scene was longer. Didn't it have some kind of mention like that pilot comes in and he's like, you're going to be up there, all right, up the, I'll ride up there. And then he comes back and says something like... He says something ad- additionally... About Darth. About if you're half as good a pilot as your father was, you'll be okay. I think you're right. I think and I right. think that's why they cut it out. And And... Which I don't understand the need to cut that out. I don't either. Biggs Maybe wouldn't the, know who Darth no, is. No, it's the other it's um, the other pilot, the Red like Leader. The, oh. yeah. When he walks up, he says sure you can something. handle this ship. And then and then Big says, Sir Luke is the best bush pilot in the Outer Rim territories. Then right at right at that point that guy walks the guy walks across the screen mm-hmm. and that's where they, they wipe that from, they, from they cut it earlier. They cut it and they they, they transition that way. Right. And he, he says, You'll do all right. But you're right. He says something like, if you're half as good a pilot as your father was, you'll do mm-hmm. all right. Okay. Which I don't understand. We've already referenced his father, how good of a pilot is. Mm-hmm. It only reinforces the idea that he's lost his father. I didn't understand. I, didn't, I don't feel that. the need. I, okay. I don't understand why they felt the need to pull that one or two seconds out. Yeah. 
we're at like we're at like a minute uh, there, an hour, hour and a half, yeah. hour and a half. I'm just nervous about the thing crashing. Okay, okay. We should probably we should well, probably start to let's talk about a few more. Let's you mm-hmm. know what? Let's go for it. Okay. I I just want eventually to be able to rate I, the movies you know in my order like I you also want everybody else to move dangerously. Let's talk about a couple of more of the differences. Um, do you like the way they beefed up most Eisley? Most of it. I, I, I agree with that. I, I, I like the fact that it's huge. I think that that's right. If it's a spaceport, it should be huge. It always, da, 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 da. Yeah, it, you know, it, uh, it, it, before it felt like somebody's garage sale. Yeah. Now, what it, 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 that it felt like a, like a right. dusty, just dusty small town. That's right. all it felt like. Where you go from that wide shot where it's Moss Eisley. Now, because I want it. You know what? You Any other time I can quote, more thank you. Of scum and I'm so nervous being with you guys. I can't quote the Star Wars. <laughs> cautious. Um, we are but when you look deal. at that wide shot, it wide wide shot, it's huge. Mm-hmm. But when they got to it, it just looked like a, a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Now it looks appropriate. I don't, and I don't mind the little rat thing scurrying. I don't want to see that stupid droid hit the thing and that junk. I don't need all that. I don't need Jawas falling off. Yeah, that whole him on the elephant or whatever that dinosaur that really yeah that bothers me. It, why, it, we don't need a co- we don't need comic relief at that point. You can like go to different movies throughout that have had establishing shots of locations, and, right. I, and I just saw Sweeney Todd the other day, and it has a a moment where it it shows a market, and it shows you know people doing stuff that they would do in a market. It's not a comedic moment where some little stupid creature falls off a dinosaur from Jurassic Park. It just completely shows you what's going on. That's what they needed there by putting in the the Jawa thing. It ruined. You know what? What they could have done to to make it better, I think, is they could have maybe shown um, more more troopers, you know, doing military stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, just just more troopers doing military stuff. I think would would have really helped you to realize that this place is under occupation. I, I just get to the point. Sometimes I think George doesn't trust himself. Mm-hmm. That he thinks if he if he goes too hard with this occupation type theme, that it's going to make me uneasy. Well, you've already got me. This is a whimsical fantasy. It's a fairy tale. You you established that by a long time ago in a galaxy far far away. I don't need you to constantly remind me of the little creature going Houdini. Mm-hmm. You know that's. Just junk. Yeah. We already mentioned Han Solo running around the corner and seeing the the battalion of troopers. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Um, how about the the final scene? Not a lot of change, but they added some troopers on the sides. Yeah. Just make it bigger. Make it a little beef it up a little bigger. I liked that. Yeah. I thought it was cool, even though they looked CG. Yeah. If you look at them close enough, you can tell there's something wrong with them. Well, even uh, my wife was sitting there with me when we watched it, and uh, right before the scene in, in Ben's house, they have that matte painting, and here's Ben's That's house. beautiful. I love that. On our TV, it looks so fake. Does it really? Oh, my God. Well, I forget. You got, like, the the yeah. high-definition big bucks, yeah, like a 90-inch widescreen. That'd, that'd be 92. 92. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm kidding. It's 42. I have a 19-inch mm-hmm. TV. Yeah, I mean, Bragg's got a remote. It's color. These days, they, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's all I need. Uh, not a big deal. You know, there are a few things I don't like, like like that, but a lot of the new special effects I like. I like the Falcon blasting off from my side. Yeah, you, that one scene they it's they just cool cut in from the the aerial view of yeah. it coming up, and that was an additional scene, right? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Um, the way that the Falcon now shoots over the heads of the stormtroopers has been adjusted a little, just so it doesn't look like a blip going pew. 
Now it looks like a ship flying. The this, first time we see Yavin with that one trooper, he's got that yeah. little gun, that little sensor thing, yeah. and it shows him. Which has got, you know what that is? That's, no. that's one of the uh, special effects guys. They put up on a pole, and they chose him because he was the only guy on location that day that didn't have children. And they were going to put him on a pole, and he's actually standing in a trash can. Yeah. And he, that is a light meter that he's holding. Really? Right. Yeah. They actually they actually put the Falcon in. Yeah. Had it swoop in, so like he's actually tracking it as it and comes then in. And also, that, when that the, makes sense. the same shot, when the X-Wings blast off towards the Death Star, is a lot nicer now. Before, it was just a little... Right, you and now see you see ships right. come out. That kind of stuff, I'm f- absolutely fine with. Um, d- going back to that shot about the guy in the trash can, why, why did they want to use someone who didn't have kids? They because it was he dangerous. Was, they were really, uh, from what I understand, they were real high up, and this was. Oh, I didn't realize that. He they was up leave, on. A, they didn't want to orphan any children. Okay. He was up on a pole, and they just sort of precariously put this trash can. I think it's like the third time we've used the word precarious. So that's my word for the day. They put him up here. And none of them were brave enough to get up there. And he's like, I'll do it. And they were like, good, you don't have kids. So. <laughs> yeah, that's explained in that beautiful book. That I- Wonderful. What about the rings on the explosions of Alderaan and the Death Star? You like those? Yeah. I like those. I thought they were, um, I thought it was cool. Doesn't add, doesn't make it better, doesn't make it worse for It's me. visually exciting to me. Yeah. It looks a lot more realistic. You know, you would yeah. expect that that kind of explosion would do something. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, in Attack of the Clones when the the big uh, seismic charges. It's that same kind of feeling. Right. Know? Which uh, someone uh, someone on the forum brought up. Uh, seismic charges in space? A vacuum? Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Fine. Uh, then how do you contain a laser sword? You know, the last time yeah. I saw it, you know, there's lots of this kind of stuff you yeah, got going on. Um, one of my favorite redone shots for the special edition was when the it used to be two shots and now it's one you see the x-wings out in space oh, yeah. coming towards you mm-hmm. around the planet the uh yeah, but- the gas giant it's coming towards you and then it cuts to them mm-hmm. going away but now it's all one continuous now scene. it's a martin mm-hmm. scorsese moment where the camera comes and <laughs> swings around behind him. And you can you can actually see the pilot in mm-hmm. the x-wing as he's going away i just I, I love re- that shot. I remember hearing somewhere that's how George envisioned the shot the whole time, but the technology did not yeah. exist. I think a lot of what he did with the special edition was because he could now. Yeah, you and I, I, I don't have any problem with that. When it, the only time I ever have a problem is when you actually mess with the story, which was Han and Greedo and yeah. Biggs. I think those are the and Jabba to an extent doesn't bother me as much. But when you actually messed with the story, that's kind of where I start going. Eh. There was only a little bit. Where he did, where he did tweak the story. I think he was respectful to his own deal. Sure, he kind of, you know, he couldn't do it then, so he could do it now. So I'm going to do it. He kind of did it for himself a lot. Overall, though, I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that says no. I have to watch the theatrical no, version. Not. I know I'm, there are I'm people that like not. that. Well, you know what? Here's what I'm happy about. I'm happy that. That option is there on the table. Absolutely. That I can go back and look at the original one, and just as long as it exists, I don't care what you do to the other movies because yeah. you know, I, I could. So I could go back and look at, at how I remember it, and um, you know what? Tweak all you want, George. As long as that original's around, I'm happy. Yeah, I have no problem with it. I, yeah. The people that get that upset about it, you know, I'm not going to throw out the get a life, but mm. I'm just not that high maintenance. Like, boy, I love that cue right there. Run, Luke, run. Boom. Run, Forrest. <laughs> okay, I, rank your movies. Okay. Um, I have a tie for one, period. Uh, it's 
New Hope and Empire. Do so, they ever go back and forth like mine? Y- you know what? It, since it's a tie, I'll say this. I'll have a taste for one sometimes, right. and I'll want to watch them. Right. Watching Star Wars this past time, I haven't done a breakdown of a film like I did with it since I was in school. I got I got such a new love for it again. It got me so excited breaking it down and watching how it worked. So right now I'm in love with it. Okay. Tomorrow it may be Empire. So I'll, I'll call those both number one. Am I talking too loud? No. Okay. Um, number two, if I may, since those are tied, I'll say a Sith. Really? I. Jedi doesn't bother. I don't mind the Ewoks. I think that the, the idea of an Ewok is a classic thing from fairy tales. Just as Lucas has said, the small little creature on the side of the road is going to help you beat the big bad guy. It's a classic thing. We've seen that a thousand times. They don't bother me, but it doesn't have the resonance that I think that three has. I, three, I have like one nitpicky, you know, if you would cut out the, the scene where they're standing on the balcony talking about how much they love each other in episode three, do you call that one, where she's brushing yeah, her hair? If you simply cut that scene and go right to him having the nightmare about Padme, mm-hmm. which is what the story's about. I already know they're in love. Don't need to hear it again. George's problem. If they go right to it, I think that's a, just almost a seamless little movie. So that'd be three. Um, that'd be two. Probably Jedi after that. Probably, and this would not have been this case until recently. I'd probably say episode one is next and then episode two. Episode two, just the love story makes me cringe. And it's not that I don't believe they could fall in love. I just think, the last time my wife and I talked politics, I didn't think, God, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> you are so hot yeah, right it, now. It, 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 these movies, it, Han and Leia fall in love because they're put in a situation where they end up being in the belly of a slug. They're running for their lives. They fall in love because of that. There's tension. To use Indiana Jones again, Indy and Marion fall in love because they're on the run and they recall all the love they had. Use that same model. People have already tried to assassinate her. When they're on that little ship eating lunch or whatever it was together, why not have an assassin sitting over in the corner plotting to get her? When they get to Naboo, it tries to get her. He saves her. She gets hurt. She loves him. Bam. Mm-hmm. There it is. Just drives me nuts. You Instead, what, we, we go out and play with cows in the pasture. Yeah. Well, you, you know, boy, you're really opening my eyes. These are great observations. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, go ahead and play the nerd drop, Brad. It's okay. <laughs> no, I was going to just play something when we're done. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, for number one, New Hope, Empire. Number two, Sith. Number three, Jedi. Number four, Phantom Menace. Number five, Attack. Yes. Okay, that's a good list. It's a good list. Anything else? Any final thoughts? I mean, we could sit here and talk for another two hours. Well, yeah, I could. And I have to use the restroom. So do I. Yeah. Plus, the Cowboys are going to play in uh, about 15 minutes. Uh, are you kidding? <laughs> No. Oh, Lord, my wife's probably it's, thinking it's, I'm like... It's 10 till 3 right now. Oh, hey. Well, okay, so get 25 minutes. Yeah. Shows you uh, where I... Okay. Um, this is one of my favorite clips from the movie right here. Mm-hmm. Orbiting the planet at maximum velocity. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. <laughs> I just love that for some reason. just yeah, makes me happy. Right. It's rather apropos to uh, end with what we began. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, Brad, where's this rank? Well, this is this and Empire go back and forth okay. for number one for me. Um, I can watch this movie and never get ever ever get tired of it. I was watching it this morning. My mom was sitting there on the couch with me, watching it, and uh, I was just mumbling to myself because I didn't want to get on her nerves. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, 
nobody will watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail with me. Right. Because I'll verbatim the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't want that to happen, you know, so I'm sitting there going, they know mystical force. <laughs> Bradley, are you saying something? No, Mom. No, 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 no. Bradley, are you saying so something? So I'm sitting there, and then sometimes I just mouth it, you know. So yeah, I'd never, ever get tired of this movie. And luckily, uh, my mom's cool, and she loves the Star Wars movies. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. number one, no question about it. New Hope? Not Yeah. Really? Not only that, mm-hmm. but it is my favorite movie of all time. That's cool. See, I all time. When and again, a reference from my wife. When she listens to this, she'll be shocked that I even admitted to. I don't do favorites. I, mm-hmm. I because it's as soon as I hear Brad talking, I start thinking, Golly, I, I kind of sold Jedi short because I sure do love the part with the, the mm-hmm. Anakin reveal. I was the one person in the world at that time that thought I didn't want some evil guy. I love. I thought it was almost beautiful that this sad, beaten down man was underneath it. It was like the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. And so I don't do that. But to hear you, I mean, I love somebody that compassionately say that. This this movie, when I saw it, changed the way I looked at movies. Mm-hmm. It became a passion I agree. With it me. did that to me, too. We've, I've never seen anything like this. I've never had an experience like this. The, and because of that, it affects the way all, I see all other movies. I mean, I, I was a nine-year-old kid at the time. Right. The, the music, the characters... I wanted to be in that world. I right. wanted to be part of it. I wanted to learn how to make these things, make a movie like that. This this movie affected me on that level. It is my favorite movie of all That's great. time. It's a beautiful one to have. It's yeah. a great movie. I, I realize that the, uh, you know, acting silly, dialogue silly. but It's it, half of but it. But it gives you this, but emotionally it gives me this feeling that no other movie I've ever seen can give me. All right. I completely <laughs> Thanks for ruining my my. Thanks for ruining my emotional. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this. We're an hour and 44 minutes. Can this not only be the super size? Can it be the super water size? It is super water size, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, technically, we've we've done a longer episode than this. We have. Oh, oh really? A, a real listener of our show would would know that. Then we aren't quitting. I will be the one that holds the longest episode period. We're, we're having okay. different clothes music. Uh, oh, this, different it, clothes it'll music. It'll affect the cowboy game. Oh, no, forget that. <laughs> I would love the cowboys. See you guys later. No, we're not done yet. Okay. Ladies with and this gen- music. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to episode four. Uh, we'll probably have Empire out in a couple of weeks. But till then, visit us at halfhourwasted.com or visit us or drop us an email at halfhourwasted at gmail.com. Also at the comicforums.com. Yes. We have a, we have a thing there. Brad, please, call you our, our number? please call our voicemail number, 641-715-3900, extension 775-0064-POUND. God, my head hurts. I know. <laughs> hey, it's free. You get what you pay for. Yeah. Todd, thank you for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank I thank you all for the, having me. Being the bigger nerd, you know, it's nice to not be the biggest nerd in the room. And, uh, and may the force be with you, Brad. May the force be with you, Frank. May the force be with you, Todd. I, I appreciate that, but I can't repeat that. Why? <laughs> I'm just kidding. May the force be with you both. Oh. It's a pleasure. You guys do a great show. It's a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week on A Half Hour Wasted. Bye. Bye.